Once the opportunity arose for him to close the show, he did it in emphatic style. Whatever he hits, Paul. This is Kevin Cassis for IFL TV in association with MTK Global at the final press conference of Daniel Dubois Commonwealth Challenge against Ebenezer Tete. I'm with Daniel Dubois. Very sharp, Dan. Thanks. Suited and booted. Right, Suited piece. and booted. You've got three piece and all. Yeah, ready. What a wedding ready. number. Nah. You hate, you hate interviews, don't you? Sorry? You hate interviews, don't you? No, it's part of the game. Because everyone's always like, why don't he talk? I'm like, talking. He does, he is talking. He's <laughs> just a bit... A little bit reserved, but prefers to no, like no, smash think, people's heads in, in the I'm ring. I'm sure and people understand my, my character by now. So. I think they do now. Yeah. I think people are like expecting like compare you to someone like Tyson Fury at a press conference, and it's not never going to be that, is it? We'll you see. think anyone will really ever push your? You maybe. never know. You never know. Because the only person I've ever really seen you pipe up to yeah. was Tom Little. I think that was a bit of a mistake. I shouldn't have reacted, but there we go. You live and learn. Talk to me about Ebenezer Tete. Uh, what kind of challenge will it bring on Friday night at the Royal Albert Hall? Um, I'm expecting him to bring his A-game and the best of what he's got. And I'll be ready for whatever he has to bring and um, come through another devastating performance and winning star. Um, obviously, fresh off the, your great win over, over Nathan Gorman, this is kind of, you feel, the next step now yeah. with the, the whole belt thing. You want to collect every belt, but in terms of just improving performances, you believe that this is the next one for you now? Yeah, definitely. Um, Frank's mapped out the path for me, so um, I just need to follow it. I'm a man on a mission, and um, you know, my goal is to win the World Heavyweight Championship. So, on the path, this is another step. I know, obviously, you're not overlooking Tete this week, but there's still whispers of this Joe Joyce fight that's lingering around. Is that anywhere in your head at all? No. Um, Joe, he's um, he's another he's another challenger out there, so we can get it on after this one. Once all once I've dealt with business on Friday, then we can we can get it on. Is that a fight that you would look to after this if you come through yeah. this, or no. when you come through, shall we say? Yeah, that Joe Joyce fight. Yeah, no, all challenges really. I'm 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 a, I'm a warrior, so in this game, I don't I, I don't back down from no one. I read some comments from yourself regarding Tyson Fury. Now, I don't know if these were taken out of context or not. I think I saw some articles this morning saying that you said that basically if you got a call, you'd be ready today. Yeah. But in reality, that's not going to happen just because of kind of where you are in your career. But what were those comments you made about potentially fighting Tyson Fury, Daniel? Um, you know, it's, um, it's a funny thing, you know. People actually, you know... You ready for him? I'm gonna say I'm ready. You know, I'm a fighter, so I never back down. And um, you know, I'll, it's up to my team and my management for to, to decide when the time's right. And my dad and you know the whole family together just to decide when when they believe I'm ready. But I feel I'm ready pretty soon. Not yet. I'm still young. I'm 22, so more experience and more learning fights and more battles I've got to come through starting on Friday. So um, it's a journey and. I haven't, I haven't reached, um, uh, there's still small steps right now. Mm. But I think, in answer to that question, are you saying that yeah. it's your mentality not to refuse any fight, whatever it was in your head, no, I would fight him? Yeah, um, I never, like again, I never back down. Um, I'm a fighter, I'm a warrior, and this is, this is my job, this is my, this is my life, and I've been doing this for over 10 years since, I started at the age of five, so 
whatever challenges they put in front of me, I've got to, it's my job to overcome them and, and adapt and, and show what show what grit I have. Mm. All right, well, listen, have you got anything else you'd like to add? Anyone you want to shout out, Dan? Listen, um, it is, you know, it is what it is. Um, I, I want to, you know, have a good fight on on Friday, and you know, you know, send out a message in the boxing world. So that's it's all kinds of all systems go from here. Tune in BT Sport if you haven't got a ticket for the Royal Albert Hall. Exactly. All right, I'm gonna let you get to your wedding then. Thank you, Thank you very much, nice and uh, we'll catch up with you this week. Nice Top man. The opportunity arose for him to close the show, and he did it in emphatic style. Delivery, it's Paul. Once the opportunity arose for him to close the show, and he did it in emphatic style. Delivery, it's Paul. This is Coogan Cassis for IFL TV in association with MTK Global at the final press conference for this Friday night's show from the Royal Albert Hall live on BT Sport. She's back. <laughs> Nicola Adams with a new status of a WBO champion. But I'm assuming that you want to kind of win the fight on, on Friday to really kind of in your head be mentally champion if that makes sense yeah definitely um, it was like a bit of a love and hate winning the winning the title without actually having to fight for it I'd been training training for it and um, we just wasn't wasn't sure um, whether she was going to be able to fight because of her injuries or not and then when they said that she couldn't and you know and I got the title I was a bit I was happy but I was sad at the same time but now on um, on Friday, I'll be able to call myself a real champion when I when I step in that ring and fight for the title. I mean, it's through obviously no fault of your own how kind of the rules work, if we like, but it's happened in the past before where uh, people have been elevated to full champion. But I suppose it's a mental thing more so than anything else, Nicola. Yeah, definitely. Like you do all that training in the gym, all that hard work, those you know those tired, tiresome, tiresome training sessions and then you're like, oh, you're champion. You're like, what? <laughs> I've done all that training and, you know, I've just been elevated. But, um, you know, I've just kept on, kept my head down, kept kept going, kept on training and I, the, the fight's finally here. I'm going to be boxing at the Royal Albert Hall, the same place Muhammad Ali boxed, who's my hero, so I'm, I'm buzzing. Since you've obviously turned professional, Nicola, this will only be your sixth fight. Um, can you kind of just talk us through why there has been that kind of bit of inconsistency and inactivity in the number of fights you've had? Yeah, it's just been hard to tie down the champion. Um, as we know in the pro game, it's a, it's a lot different <laughs> with, the, with the politics. It's not like the amateurs, you, you know, you all get thrown into the draw and whoever you draw, that's it, you fight. Um, it's a lot different and I had an injury, then she had an injury, so it's, it's been a bit, bit of a slow burner, but, but now things are moving forward. I've got the title. Um, I'm looking to be boxing again in December and then continuing on um, after the New Year's. It, it seems like when you kind of first turned pro, you made some quotes that you kind of wanted to get in and get out, basically. So how's that kind of plan working out? 
yeah, it's not it's not working as fast as I'd have liked it to, yeah. but um, it's moving in the right direction now. Like I say, it's, it's a lot harder to tie the champions down, but now I've got a, a world title of my own. Now I can really really start calling them out and and see if we can we can get one of the champions over the line. I want to I want to unify the flyweight division and then move move up a weight class as well and take over there too. I've I've got a lot of ambition, a lot of passion. Um, I love boxing. It's like I guess it's like how Pacquiao's still boxing, you know, he's, he's won all those all those millions and millions of pounds, but he still has that passion to fight. Whereas most people would be like, you know what, I've had a, I've had enough, I've done it all, I've made my money. And it's the same with me, I just I've just still got that passion, I've got that drive um for for boxing and, and that's what that's what keeps me keeps me going and gives me that fire to, to keep on winning and wanting to achieve more. Where do you think the state of women's boxing is now? Obviously it's more it's kind of a, a. It's not really a thing anymore, is it? Because like, there's women boxers on, on loads of cards. We're seeing Katie Taylor headline her own show uh, in Manchester coming up soon as well. So, um, where do you kind of see the state of it right now? Oh, it's going really well. Um, like I said, Katie's um, headlining. Clarissa's been headlining the states. It's fantastic to see. Um, like I said, I, I love the I love the sport, and it's nice to be able to see um, the women's boxing progressing. Um, all the time, and as we as we keep elevating his status, um, women's boxing's growing, and it'd be nice to be able to sit back when I'm retired and and just see you know women headlining maybe in Vegas one day as well. It'd be it'd be wicked to see. Absolutely, I think my personal preference is that we need more women that speak like Clarissa Shields in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it would make it would make some of these fights uh, the pre-build up to them a little bit more interesting. But Clarissa's doing her thing. I mean, she's. She's kind of uh, yeah. She's, she's up there. Yeah, she is. She is. Yeah, she keeps definitely keeps it um, enter, entertaining for sure. She's calling out men. I think she called out Rocky <laughs> yeah. Fielding recently. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can't see. I can't see me doing that. But <laughs> I'll um, I'll be calling out the female fighters. I want I want the champion. I want I want to unify. I want the I want the IBF. I want the IBF next. I want the WBC. I'm, I'm ready, man. I'm ready to get going. Mm. If I if I could, I'd fight them back to back, day after day, just like in the in the amateurs. I'm ready. All right. Well, listen. Like I said, uh, first step for you, your first defence of your WBO crown on Friday night live on BT Sport. So uh, wish you the best of luck with that. Did, did they make a Barbie doll of you? Yeah. Where, yeah. where can we buy that? Oh, do you know what? It's not on sale. It was made. Oh. It's a one of a one of a kind, one off. Oh. It was made for International so gonna, Women's Day. I was Day. thinking of Christmas presents for this year, and I thought I know a couple of people that would love a Nicola Adams Barbie doll, but I, there's only one made. Yeah, said. there's just one. Oh. I, I wish, I wish. Do you know what, Barbie? Have you, have you got we need that? Need to make some more. <laughs> have you got that as well? Sale. Yeah, you, yeah, you've got that. Yeah. You don't want to sell it, no? Nah, no. Nah. It was. It cost. I think it was eight thousand pounds to make. Oh, maybe you keep it then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, no problem. Uh, Nicola, thank you very much for your time and uh, good luck this week and your, uh, like I said, your first defence. And yeah, everyone tune into BT Sport if you're not at the Royal Albert Hall. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. The opportunity arose for him to close the show and he did it in emphatic style. Whatever he hits, Paul. fans, it's Michelle Joy Phelps, and I'm joined now with Jonathan Banks. How are you doing? I'm good, Michelle. How are you? Man, 
I'm, I'm okay. It's quite warm up in here, and this yeah, this no. bright light isn't going to help the cause while we're sitting here. So, so I apologize for that. It's all good. No problem. Well, this is, I want to say, even though this is your second camp with Gennady, I want to say it's your first full one, because the last one you didn't really have, um, I want to say, what was it, more than two or two months with him, right? Yeah. It was about a month and some? Something like that. Yeah. But um, it wasn't, I feel, I take it as my second camp because, okay. I, like, it, traditionally it wasn't, it wasn't a traditional camp, but we still had time to jail, and um, it's like, when things work, they work. Mm -hmm. When they work, they work right away. Mm -hmm. Some things you got to force together. Some things, some of the best relationships, and, and they work right away. You don't have to force them. Mm -hmm. So to me, this is something that worked right away. Right, because oftentimes, you know, you don't, you really don't know how things are going to go long term. Right. Um, but obviously, seeing you guys are gelling quite nicely, you often hear the saying, "You can't teach an old dog new tricks," <laughs> but we've been able to see that his head movement has gotten better and he's throwing more punches. Can you explain to me a bit of like what, what techniques you're kind of working on with him to help him improve and become the better version of himself that he already is? Well, um, let's go back from the beginning because mm -hmm. the statement, you can't teach your old dog new tricks. That's because the older the dog gets, the more his brain stops working. And with Triple G, obviously not being a dog, um, he's getting. He, he's, Let's make that clear. Right. He's he's getting older, but his brain is steady working. He's steady focusing. He steady wants to grow. He steady wants to develop. So that makes that right there makes my job a little easier because he wants something different. He really wants to grow. He really wants to improve. So all I got to do is implement the things that I was taught and the things that I see in him and just basically bring it up. Mm -hmm. Dervinchenko is considered a high risk, low reward for, in most cases. No one really picks him in a lineup and says, I wanna fight that guy, right? Unless he's coming with some serious money behind him. But in this case, the, the reward is the IBF title. And we know that the IBF title can then lead to uh, the far bigger fights that Golovkin is seeking. How do you guys beat someone like Sergey Derevchenko, who is a really, really tough opponent? Um, you take the fight to him. You take the fight to him. You um, you be just as busy or busier than him, and you're able to set him up for a knockout. Mm -hmm. You know, this it's um, it's no secret that this kid comes forward and looking to fight, mm -hmm. and he traded with. Um, with Danny Jacobs. I honestly don't think he wants to trade with Triple G. Mm -hmm. But if you want to, I'm sure, I'm sure Triple G will much oblige them. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's gotten to this point where Triple G can't, his name can't be mentioned without Canelo's name being mentioned at this point. I'm not quite sure of the details of the DAZN contracts that each of them signed, but from to my understanding, it I thought it guaranteed a third fight. So let's say that a trilogy does happen between the two. You've always been very respectful of his prior relationship with Abel Sanchez. So we're not going to, it's not going to be, um, we're not meaning it in a disrespectful manner when I ask you this question. But do you think that if there's a third fight between them, that under your guidance, you'd be able to help him become or help him win a more obvious 
or become the more obvious victor? I think I can help him knock him out. Okay. That's the goal. I think, I think under my guys, I think he'll knock him out. Mm -hmm. That's that. That would be the ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. Not, not. I'm not. I'm never in the corner looking for a one punch knockout. Yeah. I'm looking for my fighters to let their hands go, mm -hmm. and let's go. We go get the knockout by letting our hands go and making the opponent run into the punch mm -hmm. instead of just hoping, having our fingers crossed that stars line up that we catch them with one good shot. No, we don't work for one good shot. We work every day for multiple shots. Any one of them can hurt you. Any one of them can get you out of there. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're working for. Now, the ultimate goal, obviously, for you two is the long term, to see it out until he retires. Do you want him to see or move up to super middle? Is that a conversation that you guys have had at this point? No, we never had a conversation, but if that's what you want, I'll, I'll always leave that up to the fighter. Yeah. If that's what they say, make it once, once the fighter make up their mind what they want to do, mm. it's really nothing someone can do to stop them. Mm -hmm. That's why I wait till they say something to me. Mm -hmm. Once their mind is made up, I could ride with you with a made up mind, but if you guessing, not knowing, I can't roll with you on that one. I need to know, when we get in this car, I need to know your mind is made up and where we about to go. Because obviously, as, as we age, and I can say this myself, as we age, um, it gets harder and harder to keep the weight off. You know what I'm saying? Your metabolism's working at a different rate. So he's 37, and some have said that when you see him on the scales, he looks a bit on the drain side as if he should move up. It, sh it, would, be, it would be more comfortable for him. Do you see any of that? Do you see that he's absolutely killing himself, or is that absolute nonsense? That's nonsense. He's making the weight easy. Mm -hmm. He's making the well, weight. Then how the hell? <laughs> he's, he's making it easy. He entered camp at like, what, it was like 168 yeah. or something, 167. Oh, wow. Like, so, and so he's this, walking around like pretty uh, light. Because so he, yeah. he's steady. This is his lifestyle. Yeah. You know, so he's steady. He's work, working out. So mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't see the, the difficulty. Of him making weight, mm -hmm. but also don't see the difficulty of him move, willing to move up if that's what he wants to do. Right. I'm not going to talk him either, yeah or nay. Mm -hmm. I got no no objections yeah. or no forwardness about it, but if that's what he come to me and say, JB, this is what I want to do, and if his mind made up, I ride with him. All right. And I want to ask you some predictions, if you don't mind, that are coming up. Now, obviously, one that was announced was his former opponent, Canelo, moving up to weight classes to fight um, Sergey Kovalev. What do you think of that? Uh, some are saying that it could be it could be just too much. I mean, if you look at the way, although Canelo is smaller and his opponent is bigger, but not that much bigger. It's almost equivalent to Roy Jones and Andrew Ruiz. Mm -hmm. Roy was too fast to get caught by Andrew Ruiz. You know, that's the bottom line. I think it would be the same with um, Canelo and Kovalev. Mm -hmm. So either two things will happen in that fight. Either Canelo go slow down and let Co and Kovalev end up catching him and hurting him, mm -hmm. or Canelo go stop him with body shots. One of the two. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it, as always. It's always a pleasure to be behind the gloves, I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm very rarely behind the gloves. My hand's inside the gloves, but I'm really rare behind the gloves. But I see the behind the gloves all the time on YouTube, this and that, that and that. I'm always, I've been a fan for, the, for years for behind the gloves. Aww. I'm just happy to be on behind the gloves. That's all I can say. I'm thank you fan. so much.
Thank you. Thank you. I <laughs> know. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, you don't want to miss Gennady Golovkin versus Sergei Derevchenko, October the sixth, live from the Madison Square Garden on DAZN, uh, where we will see one of the two being crowned as the new IBF middleweight champion. So you don't want to miss it. Bye, bye, fans. Hey Fight Fans, it's Michelle Joy Phelps. If you haven't already subscribed to our YouTube channel, make sure you do so by clicking this icon right here, or else. Fight here back on Behind the Gloves with another interview. I'm joined by the one and only Frank Warren. Frank, how are you? I'm good, young man. How are you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. Happy to be here. Um, Friday night, another brilliant night for Daniel Dubois. Uh, should he? Yeah, well. We do. Um, but the title of the card is Every Belt. Um, is that the case now? Is it literally every step? Because there's been so much talk about, you know, the publicity of Daniel just blowing up and him going right to the top. Is it really a step-by-step -step process? Well, that's how it's been up to as yet. And you got to, it depends what opportunities present themselves. But he wants to, wants to win all the belts. The Commonwealth became available with this guy, uh, Ebenezer Tete. So it's a fight he's taken. It's a tough fight for him. On paper, you know, Tetti's 19 wins undefeated, 16 by knockout. Um, the word we're hearing back from the gym is that when he sparred, when he has sparred with Latte, that he's got the better of Latte. And we see what happened when Latte came over. It was an explosive fight between him and Daniel. So hopefully we're going to get some, uh, some fireworks on Friday night. Has it come to the point with Daniel now where you don't really have to sell him the show, sell him himself? We know the press conference, I mean, there's not much being said, but he's got to the stage where you do you think the publicity is right up there for Daniel? Well, I think that, you know, everybody in boxing knows what he's about. They know that he's an exciting fighter, he's a big puncher. He's obviously developing now into a better boxer than when he started out. He's, he's getting into become a much, much better fighter. I think that um, our job now is to get him to cross over so the general public know he is, and that's been happening recently and fingers crossed that's the direction we're going to be going in. Certain comments coming from Daniel saying he's ready for the likes of Tyson Fury. You obviously promote both. What do you make, what do you make of those uh, comments? Look, he's a very ambitious young man Daniel and, and you know and obviously he's still got a way to go. For me Tyson's the number one heavyweight in the world. He's tied up at the moment with, uh, with a contractual obligation to fight against um, Deontay Wilder who's also got a fight in November provided he comes through they get their fight on. And who knows, maybe towards the end of next year, that may, that may be a fight that happens. But at the moment, that's not a fight that is going to happen. And seeing as though we're talking about Tyson Fury, a very hard-fought uh, fight in Las Vegas over the weekend. Um, first of all, how was he? How was the cut? Uh, he had his stitches out yesterday, and uh, he, he told me, I haven't seen it myself, he said the, the uh, eye seems to be seemed to have healed well. And it's just a matter of time, you know, it's going to take a long while because, you know, the skin's got to get stronger, the scar tissue's got to get stronger and, uh, and, and there's a healing process and uh, hopefully he'll be okay to be taking his fight, providing Deontay comes through his fight against Ortiz. You know, these guys, there's, there's no, you know, foregone conclusion with any of these fights. You know, Wallin was going to be, according to everybody, a walk in the park for Tyson. He got a bad cut. A very bad cut that impaired impaired his vision and his performance. You know he was, he, but you know the fighter that he is, he still came through, won it convincingly on points, despite that that uh, handicap, and uh, showed what he's all about. You know from a heart perspective. Yet again, he dug deep as he did against Deontay Wilder when he needed to. Um, anything can happen. Undefeated fighters. Wallin was an undefeated fighter. He, he you know he sensed blood. There was a lot of blood, and he thought that the ref. 
the referee may stop it because of that. And that, that urged him and impelled him to, you know, keep pressing the fight to, to Tyson. And it's the same with this guy who's coming in. 19 wins, 16 knockouts, you know he can bang. A lot of people were saying because it was Tyson, the fight was sort of dragged on. Um, you know, just you don't want, because it was a punch. It wasn't a clash of headwards. That could, that would have been a stoppage victory for Otto Wallen. Um, do, do you sense that? Obviously, with it being Tyson, is there? Any, what do you make of them comments from uh, the fans? What the the fact that he was cut and it was a punch? The, no, the fact that if it wasn't, if it was anyone else bar Tyson, that the fight could have been stopped. But because it was Tyson in Vegas, you know, they let it drag on more than what they should have. Well, I don't know if saying it's good Vegas. I mean, he's a British boxer and it was a Swede. So <laughs> not because it was in Vegas. I've seen fights with American fighters with bad cuts uh, go on, being allowed to go on. The fact of the matter is, despite that handicap, he well won it on points. So the referee obviously felt that it wasn't. You know, he, he was in it was in certain amount of control of the fight and allowed it to go on as did the doctor. So I'm not going to argue with them about that because he did win it, and it was important um, from his point of view that uh, he did come away with a W. Just moving on now. Um, I know there's been a lot of talks recently on the other side of the promotions in England with the KSI versus Logan Paul fight. Um, as the opposite promoter or rival promoter, I should say, what do you make of that fight being made? Well, look, it is what it is. I mean, when they made the first one round, we were actually talking to uh, the guy from over here. But it is what it is. I mean, they're two. It was an amateur fight then, and they were two guys. I don't believe either of them had a, an amateur bout or been registered with any clubs in America or in the UK. <coughs> they they had their war over the internet. They got their followers, so they decided. They want to settle it in the ring. There's blue collar, white collar fights happening in the UK all the time. That's what it is. For some reason, uh, without any amateur experience, California has allowed them to take professional licenses out. That's up to them. But it is what it is. That's not what I would call, you know, those guys, would they win an ABA title? Would they win, you know, an area title? Not, uh, no, they wouldn't. Not with the experience that they've got. That certainly wouldn't be the case. Regarding the promoter, you know, you talk about Hearn who's putting it on. He's the same guy, I think it was six months ago, said it was a disgrace, it's not boxing. Uh, he would never get involved in something like that and he's a boxing man through and through and it's not good for the game. Not my words, they were his words and uh, I'm sure you've heard them and seen them on the internet. I don't know what's changed in the meantime for it to be any different. Um, you've got to ask him that question. Why do I, what do I feel about it? He needs that. He needs that fight. He needs it for the zone. The zone is—he's not delivered subscribers for the zone. I think the whole year that he's been working with them, I think he's only delivered for his fights, his promotions, around seventy thousand subscribers for all that money they've laid out. That's where it—that's where it's at. But you know, I don't particularly, you know, care about it. It's not something that I'm going to, you know, get up for in the early hours of the morning to watch. I, I, you know, I, I sort of dipped into the last one. Watch it probably a couple of days later. But good luck to those two kids for going out and earning some money, doing what they're doing. But we know what it is, the level, the level what it is, the level it's at. Don't try and dress it up to be anything different than what it is. Talking about the level, a lot of fans have had a lot to say about, you know, a, a fighter you formerly pro, uh, promoted now, Billy Joe Saunders, featuring on the undercard. Um, I heard a few things, obviously, you saying, you know, it's the big time. You did put on a stadium show, uh, you know, for his last fight, and now he's fighting on the undercard. Um, do you think it's a sort of a downgrade, or what, what do you think of that? Well, you know, Bill and I parted on very good terms. It was a mutual decision. You know, I made my mind up where I was at with it, and he made his mind up. So, 
it is what it is. I mean, he's the only one who knows whether it's a whether it's a step for, step up for him, a step forward. You know, I know that Hearn said he was welcome to the big time. If that's big time, that's big time. Um, okay, moving on. Josh Warrington uh, fighting um, Sufyan Tekute. I can't pronounce his name. I think that's how to pronounce it. Yeah. Um, there's been a bit of back and forth with him and uh, Russell, uh, Guy Russell Jr. I just want to take your thoughts on Have you seen the video of Guy Russell Jr. and Leo Santa Cruz's father? No, I haven't. What was said? Uh, well, uh, Leo, uh, Guy Russell Jr. used uh, Leo Santa Cruz's father as bait to sort of get the fight with him, saying, you know, I could lay hands on him. Guy, Leo Santa Cruz's father obviously is very ill. Uh, Josh Warrington then followed up with that on Twitter, saying if, if he did anything like that, he'd fought, um, you know, he wouldn't have it and he'd fight him. Uh, first of all, what did you think? Said he'd lay hands on he, um, Gary Russell Jr. said he would lay hands on um, Leo Santa Cruz's father just to get the fight. He would fight. He's dead. As in, like, just physically. No, we won't see here all that. His dad's not well. You said. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, I hope he gets better. Look, Santa Cruz didn't want to fight. His son did not want to fight Josh. We made a big offer for him, as we did to Valdez, who's now gone up in weight. Um, well, let's see where we are. Let's get this fight out of the way. He wants the unification matches, um, my man, and we're very interested in doing unification. We'll look at the Russell fight afterwards. Absolutely. And last question. Uh, I just want to take your thoughts on uh, a rumour that's floating about Nigel Ben uh, possibly coming back. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I don't want him to do it. You know, he doesn't. Hopefully, it's not a financial need. If it's a, he's doing it for other reasons, then he shouldn't be doing it. He's 55 years of age. And I hope, Nigel, you don't do it. You know, him and I had a very good uh, time together in our, in our early careers. You know, I, I promoted him for quite a while early on and then he, he went off for a few fights, then came back and defended and had quite a few fights on my promotions uh, and then, then retired and I hope he stays retired. I don't want him to see him doing that. It's not good for boxing. It's not good for, and it's more important, it's not good for Nigel. He shouldn't be doing it. Frank, I'm going to have to, you have to go. Thank you for your time. We really appreciate it. Hey, Bye Fans, it's Michelle Joy Phelps. If you haven't already subscribed to my YouTube channel, make sure you go ahead and do so by clicking this icon right here and hit the bell button so you can get notified every time we upload a new video. And we also have a free app available on iTunes and Google Play. So make sure you go ahead and download that. Bye, Fight Fans. All right, Fadi, back home behind the gloves with another interview. I'm joined by the one and only Daniel Dubois. Uh, we've just had your press conference, a uh, fight on Friday night against Tete. First of all, um, he had a lot to say on social media or whatever they released. Um, what did you make of that when, when, when it was said? I don't know what you're saying. I'm not on social media. I'm old school, so whatever he said, though, it bears no relevance on what's going to happen on Friday. He's talking about how uh, what Richard Light started, he's going to finish. You're a small, you're a young boy. You know you've not stepped into that water. I mean, when you do hear stuff like that, does that add fuel to fire? No, no. Um, I'm I'm already revved up. I'm I'm excited for Friday night. I'm ready to you know set out, you know set make it a good night of fighting and, and good night of boxing. Come on, with a victory. On uh, on your last fight against uh, Nathan Gorman, obviously a spectacular victory for you. Um, a lot of people saying it was your hardest test to date. Um, before the fight, do you take away a lot of confidence from that more than anything now? Yeah, um, I take it away because it was a very it was a defining fight, what a must-win fight for me to get you know get to the next level and you know set my main my name out there even more than it is already. So it was um, a very important fight. The show's called Every Belt. And when you're moving this fast-paced and, you know, the attention's now coming onto you as, you know, the next 
big heavyweight prospect coming through. Is, is there a sort of rush to get right to the top or is it just break down every single uh, piece and every single step of the way? There's, there isn't a rush. I'm 22 right now, so there's, I'm moving at a pace though because, you know, once you keep winning and I keep beating who's in, who's in front of me, it's only a matter of time before I get there. So there's no, no real um, rush for anything right now. As I said, again, it's, um, you know, belts, the small belts from the Commonwealth right up to European and all the eventually world title. Um, have you watched much of Tete? Have you seen his performances? Not really. Um, he's, uh, I'm sure he's going to come and uh, bring his A game and, and bring his all because, you know, I'm fighting, I, I'm, I'm expecting that. I'm expecting the best he has to offer. Now, um, I read something a couple of days ago um, about what you said um, regarding uh, Tyson Fury and saying how you're ready for him now. Uh, what, what, what sort of came into your mind to say that? Because obviously, like you just said, you want to take it step by step. Um, do you really think you're ready for that level? Eventually, I'll be, I'll be mixing it with these guys. And um, when, uh, when I get there, I'm more than confident I'll be beating them. And whoever they put in front of me, I'll beat it. So, um, it's, it's, uh, of me saying that, you know, it's... It's, it's, it's my state of mind of stepping in with whoever they put me in with, I'll be ready for it. How do you rate Tyson Fury, seeing as though we're on that topic, within the heavyweight division now, obviously there's so many different ratings and who wants to put who number one, where do you put him in your sort of top five? Yeah, he's up there with the big boys, you know, you know, he's proven himself and all credit to him, he come through a hard fight in his last fight and and, he's, and he got the win, so he's up there, you know, with the Joshua's, the Giantes, and it's um, it's a packed division at the top, and they all share a piece of the crown, really. What did you make of his last performance uh, against Otto Wallen? Obviously, he got caught. Um, I think it was mid rounds, and it could have been stopped. What did you think of the performance that Tyson put up? It was um, uh, a good performance. You know, he come for it. Um, he got a bad cut, and um, he's, you know. It is what it is. The guy came, you know, it was his big chance, so I'm sure he gave it all he had. And credit to Fury, come out with the victory, and, and he's still, you know, champ, lineal champ or whatever. And, yeah, he's, he moves on, and, you know, more big name, more big fights out there. And um, it is what it is. I'm a number, I'm a name out there in um, the, the division, and, at, at, you know, there's not, at this, at this, at this point, there's not a lot of young heavyweight you know coming through there's a lot of old guys that's been around a while been in the amateur circuit and they turned pro so to get young fighters young heavyweights coming through like myself it's it's not very often and i think um, a lot of um, the americans and people around boxing world notice and recognize that and appreciate that i just want to ask i know you've got a great relationship uh, relationship with frank bruno senior on the pads with him uh, great stuff Obviously, uh, another two Brits I want to talk about in a similar, well, not a similar position, co completely opposite, really. Anthony Joshua and Lennox Lewis had a bit of a feud. When, when, when you're having a feud with a past fighter, do you find that uh, any sort of disrespectful? I know you've got, a, like I said, a good relationship with Frank Bruno. What did you make of that whole situation of, you know, Anthony Joshua calling him a clown and whatnot? I don't know. Um, I don't, you know, from, they're, they're, too big, they're two big men at the, at the they really reached the top. And um, whatever they have to say about each other, let them get on with it. It's um, it's really relevant, really. The it's always good to have back and forth. Sometimes it's drama, and I love it. I like hearing about stuff like that. It's aggravation, and this sport is full of it. And um, so when it comes out and stuff like that, it's, it's nothing. It's minor, really. All right, Daniel. All the best on Friday night. Thank you for speaking to us.
Hey Fi fans, it's Michelle Joy Phelps. If you haven't already subscribed to my YouTube channel, make sure you go ahead and do so by clicking this icon right here and hit the bell button so you can get notified every time we upload a new video. And we also have a free app available on iTunes and Google Play. So make sure you go ahead and download that. Bye Fi fans.